All right, everyone. Uh, we're live. We're going in on the uh, Fishing Hour podcast. Myself, Vinny. This is my uh, good friend, Mark. What's up, everybody? It's Mark. How you doing? So, uh, yeah, we're going to give this a go. Just a couple of guys who like to fish, who like to bullshit, who like to talk fishing. So, yeah, let's uh, let's give it a run. Mark, yeah. uh, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry that we're dealing with this uh, gimpy <laughs> bullshit right now, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'll work. Me, me and Vin have been talking about doing this for a while. Just keep it organic, not not trying to make anything too uh, too dressed up. Just talk the raw game, what we love to do. Um, if you like it, hopefully you do. Follow us on this journey. If you don't, I don't really know what to tell you. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, you asked me a little bit about myself. Um, I'm Mark. I, uh, I grew up in uh, Westchester County, New York. Um I've been fishing my whole life. It started when I was a little kid, uh, going up to Ontario, Canada with my uncle and my family. Shout out to my Canadian family. Um, but as far as I can remember, catching largemouth bass was probably the focal point of, of my journey and where it started. Um, but, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I can remember taking out one of those little uh, paddleboard boats, you know, like the little kick pedals. Yeah. And uh, I would take those out to the middle of the lake and just hang out on this floating dock out there and just drop down night crawlers. That was go. the extent of it. Um, there you go. One day I, I remember catching and, you know, it size, who knows, right? I thought it was the biggest fish I ever seen at the time. But it's always like that until the next one. <laughs> I caught a, a pike and it was cool. I remember, I, you know, I have a picture. It's awesome. I'll, I'll always cherish it. But of my uncle, myself, my grandfather just holding that. And, you know, I'm Italian, so I call him Dono. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, just we had that. I thought they released it. Turns out they probably ate it. Uh, <laughs> found that out years later. But then, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I kept kept it rolling. I, as soon as I got back from that trip and for the next 10 to 15 years, I remember just, you know, blue, blue line hunting on Google Maps and finding any body of water and then just going out whether it was legal or not trying to see if the fish were living there and uh eventually the game turned to artificial you know you first start with the texas rig gary yamamoto and uh catching my first couple fish direct braid the worst knot you've ever seen as long as it works right yeah and uh then i remember my neighbor had a boat and uh that was the first time I really started saltwater fishing. I'd say around 10 or 12 years old, I remember going out, catching our first striper. I'll never forget, it was 13 pounds. I thought, again, the biggest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then from then on, I just, I never looked back. There and here go. I am. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's enough about me. We'll get into more about what, what of each of us do. But uh, yeah, why don't, why don't we talk a little bit about your game? Yeah, so uh, yeah, it all started uh, more than a couple years back. Um, I would say I was maybe five, four, four or five years old. Um, I like to call myself a Long Island native, which I am, but I was born in Queens where my grandparents uh, also lived nearby. And at the time, um, I was, like I said, four or five years old. My sister was just born and my parents were renovating my house. So we were at my grandmother's house. She's living over in, Fl uh, she lives over in Flushing. And yeah, basically one day I was bored. I was asking my dad, like, you know, it's in the summer. Uh, we can't go by the house because they're renovating it. I'm young at the time, and I'm asking my dad, like, you know, uh, I want to do something, whatever. Being that we're in Queens, there's not really that much options besides going to the park or, you know, hanging around, playing around in the stoop. 
So then my dad gets the idea, like, you know what, let's go fishing. And there was a, a pond in um, Flushing Meadow Park. And at the time, you could rent out, like, uh, little, I guess you could call them, not even rowboats, but, like, you know, like those old school boats where, like, they're, like, pedal boats. You sit in them, and really, they're not meant for fishing. It's meant to just pedal around in the pond and all yeah. that. A couple of, you know, no no knowledge anglers at the time. My dad was been fishing maybe two times before that. So, whatever, we go out there. Before that, he goes and buys, like, these two rods at this local bait shop. I don't even know if they're still open. And uh, we go out there with, uh, I think, maybe half a dozen bagels. And uh, we were eating some of the bagels, uh, throwing some bread out, trying to feed the ducks, trying to catch fish. It really wasn't successful at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> I uh, don't remember catching anything. I don't even know if we even were fishing half the time. We were more just happy to be out on the water doing yeah, something outside. Um, and, you know, shout out to my dad for putting me out on the water. And then it kind of just sparked a little fire in me. I, I asked him to go again. And, again, it's interesting because, you know, a four or five-year-old who really at the time, you know, anybody at that age, you don't really have the, the patience or the mental capacity to sit there and fish all day. I mean, shit, I'm fucking 25 years old, uh, 24 years old, about to be 25, and sometimes I lose my patience. Yeah. So It's part just, of the game. It's part <laughs> of the game. And, you know, I stuck it out, and my dad stuck it out, and, you know, him putting up with me, that's incredible in of itself. Uh, you know, a little four or five-year-old going nuts. But, yeah, so we went again, and we kept going, and we were, you know, un unsuccessful. But I remember clearly that one day we went out to a family outing in Connecticut, uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, and there was a pier there that actually got destroyed by Sandy. They rebuilt it, but I haven't been there since. It's the rebuild. But beforehand, we went out, and we were catching snappers. And it was in September, back when we actually used to get snappers. For those of you who don't yeah. know who snappers are, not, I'm not talking about red snappers or anything. I'm talking about small bluefish, us in the tri-state. Listen, we got like four we, species. Don't yeah, blame us. exactly. I don't know what to tell you. So, for us, that's a snapper. A small <laughs> bluefish is a snapper. Let's get that clear. Yeah. At least on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, we catching snappers, and, you know, it was maybe like myself, my dad, a couple of my cousins, my, my nonno, who was around at the time. And uh, it was maybe like 10 of us, and we were just, we were hammering them. We, we left with like, you know, 70 fish, 80 fish. And at the time, listen, now you can get three and you're at your limit. This is back when you were allowed 10 fish per angler. And in Connecticut, the regs might have been even higher, honestly, because there were actually was snappers in the water. Not like nowadays where it's easier to find full-grown bluefish as opposed to snappers. Yeah. But we'll get into that um, when the time comes. But yeah, so I got hooked on that. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. It started turning into, Dad, you know, I want another rod. And I want another combo and this and that. And then we started going fishing more and more. And then it got to the point where, you know, I found myself, I was in high school. And um, I got hurt. I got a pretty bad knee injury at a ACL tear. So I was pretty uh, limited in my mobility. And, you know, sports was slowly dwindling out of the picture. Uh even after recovering from the injury, I tried to play again, and I got hurt again. and So then I kind of just, I was always in love with fishing, but it was between having the more time from, you know, less time invested in sports and now more free time. And on top of that, learning how to drive and having my, you know, ability and freedom to go anywhere. Right. That's really where my fishing game or my fishing, you know, passion went from, I'd say, a six to a 
15 on a scale of 1 to 10. Like, yeah. that's when... I mean, because you're limited, right? Exactly. It's like when you, you're younger, you're limited. You're only as capable as far as your parents will drive you. Exactly. And, you know, shout out to my parents for taking me all over. We used to fish Oyster Bay. We used to fish Port Washington, Jones Beach. And, you know, my dad works a full-time job. My mom, at the time, worked a full-time job. I mean, shit, she's still working now. But, you know, she would take me all over, too, even when my pops wasn't working. And, you know, both of us had no idea what was going on. I'm sorry, even when my pops was working, both of us had no idea what was going on. And we were just, we were going with them. We were rolling with the punches. And now we're at the point where, you know, I've been blessed enough to meet my good buddy here. And it got to the point where it's it's more than just fishing. It's it's a brotherhood. It's a friendship. Yeah. Um, I so, cherish it more than a lot of friendships. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome that we share... A friendship that stemmed from something we both love right. but like you said it's it's evolved to so much more than that and right. i'm sure a lot of people listening could uh yeah i'm thinking sure about their buddies that that absolutely. the relationships they've built and those countless nights on the water when you're just walking and the only thing you have is each other and yeah. it's like we're out here in the middle of nowhere nobody knows we're here and you know i just a quick shout out to those boys that that make that journey make yeah. your journey absolutely. special you know because i I cherish this and like, you know, the different things we've done in fishing and where I could see this going is just limitless, you know. The sky is the limit for most people. For us, the ocean is the limit and the ocean is incredible. I mean, the sky is the limit too, but the ocean is, we're talking 75% of the world, you know what I mean? Like, maybe even more. Um, But yeah, no, fishing in of itself is truly incredible, especially when you get to, I mean, at any level it's incredible, right? Right. You can't say no, but... When you get to a certain level, when you get to a certain passion for it, when you know, when you can't sleep at night because you missed that bite, or your buddy told you about a bite that you missed because you were at work or you just didn't get there in time, that's when you know yeah. it's more than just fishing. It's a passion that just gets fueled, and especially like Mark said, when you have friends, a buddy, a couple buddies, shout out to the guys who are listening, they know who they are, who do this. Yeah. You know, it, it, it becomes more than just fishing. You know, it, it's like you go with your buddy and it's just a journey. Every time we step foot, every cast we take is a cast to remember because you never know what's coming next. Right. And it's not even just about that. It's it's the collective decision making that you guys make. I mean, how many times have you said, let's do this? And I've been like, nah, I'm, I'm feeling this. Wind's blowing this way. We have this tide on this shore. I heard a bite was going down here. It's a similar condition. Let's let's go throw this. I think this will work. And you know, it's like, all right. I was if you weren't in the picture, I wasn't going to do that tonight. This is yeah. like I said. This is what the decision was that I was going to make. Yeah. But here I am now. Let's roll out together. And then from there, it's like, what does it turn into, right? How many times do we say? I mean, shout out. First of all, shout out to all the girls and the wives yeah, and for real. all the people that put up with it but because that's something in of itself yeah i mean I, I could say for one thing if i say i'm going fishing and i'm home by noon and there's a bite going on I, there's a chance i'm home at three four maybe even eight o'clock more, i might right. shit i might even miss the plans you know it's yeah, but it's, and it's i ha- can't walk away you no. know because sometimes you don't get on the bite until the end of the right. day and it's like i've worked so hard for that and Again, it's just it's back to the whole decision making process. It's about doing the right thing at the right time, and when it works out, it's just yeah. There's nothing more rewarding. And and that's the truly incredible thing about fishing. Again, it's it's that when you get to a certain level, 
you just you can't turn back. And that's not to say that this podcast or just this show or us just me and him just bullshitting is not to say that it's for people of that level because anybody can be at that level of fishing. It doesn't mean that you've had to catch a hundred fish or a great white or an eighty pound bass or something astronomical to be at that level. Right. The second you pick up that rod, you can be at that level. And it's all about the chase, right? It's right. it's like I might be on a bite one day, you might be on a bite a lot another day. I mean, a lot of the times we're fishing together, but right. it comes down to the fact that if you know where you are and what you're doing, and like we'll get into this as the show goes on, but structure of the water you're fishing, how deep you are, right. you know, and when you start to figure out the logistics, I mean, sometimes nine out of th- ten things could be in place, the tenth thing just being a fish swimming by. And you're fishing where he should be. Sometimes he just might not be. You know, it's people don't like the term luck when it comes to fishing. And and, and I agree with that concept, right? There's a certain degree of it's skill. Angling is, you know, once you have a fish on, it's a whole different ball game. But figuring out all those logistics to get you to the right spot, that goes so far. You can't decide where the fish is going to be especially when you're you're fishing from shore you know yeah. you're you're very limited in your capability you're fishing in Manhasset Bay we spend a lot of time in Manhasset Bay we do there's times that it's going down on another side of it and and we didn't get a single look all night yeah. but it's structure that we've caught a hundred bass on 200 bass on and it's like why are they not here tonight I mean we don't know you know we're not inside their head but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and you're totally right. And that's, again, as we get into the show and as we really dive into this and for this episode and for more to come, that's kind of like what the really the goal of this podcast is. It's to just genuinely talk about fishing, you know, sit here, have a conversation with my buddy, um, with future people to come on the show, future panelists, um, and just for you guys, too, to just hear the stories here. Everything that goes on, you know, I'm not here to give out direct, uh, you know, say things that like, oh, this is how you got to do it because there's so many ways to do things and there's so many stories and so much to learn about fishing. And I think the key is that the more you talk about it and shit, the more that you just express how much you love it and, you know, the stories and everything that comes with it, we're just honestly here to have a good time, just bullshit and show you guys the journey that we're on and... Who knows, you know, you might see us out there doing there were a couple of Long Island natives that we just yeah. always I mean, traveling and, around. And we're down we're down to fish with anybody, anywhere, yeah. anytime. Anytime, any place. All shapes and sizes. Yeah. We don't care what you look like, where you come from or what you're about. If you share this passion with us, I, I fully believe, like I, I come from the school of thought that if you're jaded to learning anything in life and think that you're better than anybody, I mean a, a, a seven year old kid could teach you something. You Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And Especially when it comes to something like this, you know, fishing something that there's always going to be somebody that spent more time than you in a specific spot or doing a certain thing. And it's little key takeaways, you know, we'll yeah. get into different presentations and whatnot, you know, how to swim different, different topwater lures, you know, for instance, a popper and your different cadence on your retrieve and how certain, certain retrieves work certain ways on certain days and different conditions. Like... It's all about being all ears. It's just take something every time you go out. There's there's so many days you and I and I, I genuinely cherish this about, you know, our, our journey together and our friendship is like 
there are days that we go out and get skunked. If you're not getting skunked, you're not fishing hard enough. You know, we spend yeah. so many hours doing this. You're bound to have a day where it just doesn't work. But we always look at each other at the end of the day and we say, okay, this happened. Um, I realized I should have done this or, you know, this is something I took away from this. We go back the next, next time better prepared than where we were, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's about going in every day just taking a little bit of advice from yourself and from people around you that that makes your next outing that much that much better and that much more of having a chance at success yeah absolutely and i totally agree with that it's that's again that's what we're here to get at um just to talk about all the experiences things that we do things that we reflect on you know share stories and we hope to hear as we get hopefully a really big uh, following and, you know, we hope to hear from you guys all your stories because every fisherman has a story to tell. I don't care if Absolutely. it's your first day on the water or if it's, you know, one of your thousands of days on the water. If you're a charter captain or you're a surf guy or you're a tuna guy or a bass guy, you know, we fished with everybody. Anglers of different calibers, you know, anglers better than us, anglers who are getting in the game, anglers who like to only fish the surf, anglers who like to fish from the boat. That's the beauty of fishing. It's so diverse, but yet so complex. Um, but the most important thing, the simplest takeaway from it all, is to just really just reflect on it and just enjoy it. And again, get to that level where it's more than just fishing. You know, it comes away from more than just, okay, I'm going out because I want to catch fish. No, it's because you're going out because you have a passion to catch fish. And when right. you do it with others, that passion is just astronomical. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of guys who fish alone by choice or by not choice. And, you know, kudos to them because God bless. You know, you're going out there, you're doing it, you're doing what you want to do. And there's times I fished alone, there's times he's fished alone. Everybody's here, you know, yeah, you fish alone. Absolutely. But I mean, when you have that passion. Yeah, it's... when you have that passion, it's you got to do what you got to do. You get out there if it's three in the morning or three in the afternoon when you have a lunch break or if you take a day off to go fishing or whatever. Um, so that's one of the, you know, that's kind of like. The key point of the show is just to reflect on things that are running through us, uh, experiences, to hear from, you know, feedback from you guys eventually in the future. And, yeah, we're just going to see where this goes. We're going to run with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and one other thing I just want to add. Like, I opened this show up saying, you know, this is what we got right now. We'll get the we'll get the setup going. We'll make this a little prettier. You know, we'll start releasing yeah. some clips and all kinds of stuff. Um, but... You know, this isn't about a, a space where we're, we're judging anyone or or thinking that our perspectives are better than no. others. We're strictly here to just share. Like I said, if, if you want to be a part of this journey, we, we welcome everybody. We want everyone to chime in, contribute, create a space for other anglers from the local area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. But even down the East Coast and, and as far as we want to go. I, I'm open to hearing anything from anybody. Um, you know, hopefully we could provide some insight to somebody in some way. Um, and, you know, let's let's just continue to build this space for the future, encourage, you know, other anglers to of get course. involved, encourage people to take a chance and not feel like they're in a position where they can't try something because they're not good enough or they don't know myself you still still us in many ways there's stuff we learn every day 
And there was always a first time somebody threw top order. There's always a first time that somebody threw a bucktail. There's always some time that people tried a different presentation and you have to get the hang of it. It's, it's very real that it takes practice and it takes a lot of that repetition I spoke about where it's trial and error until right. you figure out what works and what doesn't. Right. And again, for, you know, like we're saying, as open as we're going to be, uh, we're reflecting on all of our, you know, experiences, journeys. But that's not to say that we're here to spot burn and all this stuff. For those guys who are listening who are worried, like, oh, I fish with those guys. Hopefully they don't give up this spot. No, come on, man. Listen. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> okay? As much as I love fishing and I love putting people onto fishing, there's some spots that only me and him know and we take that to the ho- yeah. to the grave, to the I heart. Mean- you got to be blood or close to blood to know about this <laughs> spot. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that you guys don't have spots like that. I know everybody does, so we're not here to say, oh, yo, it's March. You got to be fishing at XYZ. No, it's not about that. It's more about us reflecting on previous fishing seasons, current fishing seasons, listening to other people reflect on their fishing thoughts, and just putting together a hub of where, you know, guys like us, fishermen of any sort, can come together, tune in, you know, just hear two guys bullshit who love fishing just as much as the next guy. And just talk about things that come to mind, whether it's educational topics or, you know, favorite plug or anything, anything. Anything. I mean, gear, me and you, I yeah. mean, we're gear junkies, right? Yeah, I, for I, real. I, let you started this out with talking about your dad buying you a couple combos. I almost cut you off at one point and I said, damn, he really started uh, an addiction problem. Yeah, but, no, uh, it, <laughs> it seriously is. And, you know, it's a healthy addiction uh, yes, to it. Maybe not financially healthy, but <laughs> it, it stimulates the mind and more than just um, going out there and learning about fishing. You know, there's been plenty of nights where I've been out, uh, or you know, not fishing because it's too cold or it's raining or, or whatever the case is, or they just, you know, just had to take an off night. And I'm watching YouTube videos, and I'm on Google, and I'm always studying the game. And everybody does. Right. Or a majority of do, of guys do. Um, and there's always different ways to do it. But when I say that it goes further than that, it's a mental stimulation in of itself because it really stimulates your mind when you're out on the water to put everything at peace. And again, I could speak for myself, and I could speak for the people that I fish with closely, but honestly, for almost everybody, when you're out there and your line gets tight, it's almost impossible to think about anything else, anything else. at the given moment. Yeah. Besides, how do I capture this fish that I was blessed to get my hands on or right. my line on or my lure around? And it, it gets to a point where it's just like incredible. Right. No, and I mean, I agree. I, I mean, for a lot of us, I think I could speak for a lot of people that are really in this game that fishing has become something that, you know, it's that one time of the day that no matter what amount of noise runs through your head elsewhere, yeah, you you just stop and totally disconnect, and and you just find that peace with the water. I mean, it's not even just about fishing, right? It's it's about the experience that comes with it. Right. Like we spoke about those hunts, that chase. I mean, whether it's trout fishing, walking miles down a river or a stream or right. a brook, and finding different holes and pockets that you think trout will be living in, or you're walking out on jetties in the middle of the night, and I forget my headlight, and yeah. I ask Mr. Gadget over here, <laughs> and you guys will learn. Vin really is Mr. Gadget. If there's a tool for legitimately anything, he has it. If it makes your life easier, he has it. So shout out, yeah. Vin. Thanks, man. And, Efficiency and, is key. You know? And, uh, you know, they say opposites attract. I'm the kind of guy that'll show up and 
try and just figure out my footing on the rocks. But, no, it's like that, and he uh, makes it work, and <laughs> that's why we balance each other out because you know Mark is the speedster. He's he's out there running up and down, scaling the rocks, scaling the you know if if we gotta hop a fence, if we gotta run down the beach to see if you know it's it's birds working on bait or if it's birds diving on you know bread or food that people threw in the water. <laughs> That's you know Mark he's he's the speedster he 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 knows how to navigate all the spots. So. I appreciate it, but yeah. So um you know I we we were getting into uh, a little bit about that that gear aspect of yeah. things, right? And uh, like we said, it, it it's it's a healthy addiction, right? It's it's led to allow us to experience things to the fullest extent. Um, good gear is so important. I just want to say that. I I mean. Everybody started out with their first combos. I could think about some of the rods and reels that I grew up using. I mean, going back to when I said largemouth bass fishing, I remember my buddy's dad. He had he was um, on the Taconic Bassmasters, which is just a a small outfit um, in Westchester County. They travel. They do a lot of fishing up in Lake Champlain, and uh, he had a whole bunch of rods that he just didn't use anymore. Um, At the time, I didn't know. A conventional rod and a spinning rod were different so <laughs> i put a spinning rod on a convention uh, i'm sorry spinning a conventional reel. rod uh, with a spinning reel and uh, yeah let's just say it, it doesn't work out great when you have a fish that's loading the rod the wrong way because your gods are working against you yeah. and you know it, it, it takes some of those learning curves to realize that you know, a, a good rod and, and even more so a good reel, which is the engine, right? The the winch, the motor of your operation, a good drag system, a good reel, a good spinning reel that or or conventional that can properly handle the conditions that you're fishing. Are you someone that's having waves crash into you all night long? I mean, we've all owned a pen fierce. Yeah. And, you know, at or, the time out of the box. Pursuit, man. Yeah, the pen pursuit, and you know th- those are all great reels um, for someone starting out. But you realize over time that stuff like that they go through the ringer and and they don't work as good as day one. Yeah. And then you start to realize why that reel might be a hundred dollars, and some of these other things that. And I'm guilty of it. We'll we'll talk to to you know our boys Chris and Evan, and they'll they're probably laughing even listening <laughs> to this right now, just hearing me say it. But yeah, for real. I was on the page of for the longest time. You don't need to go over a hundred dollars on a reel, and for a lot of people, you don't. If it depends how how much you're fishing it, right? But, how aggressive a fisherman, you right? Are. But if eventually, right, whether you're putting a hundred hours on it in one season or you're putting a hundred hours on it with corrosion and sitting over the winter yeah, on it, if you don't service it right, if you don't take uh, care, eventually, of it. cheaper stuff is gonna give out. Um, that's not to say that as you start to get in some better, con- I'm not saying you need to buy a Stella. Right, a Stellar or Saltiga or anything like that. You know, one of the only things I think you could really argue is advanced stall for a lot of people. But you know, you still have the Salt X. You still have some other really yeah. good options of a sealed reel. It's just really about what caters to you. Right. Um, and you know, finding something with the right p- price point, but also realizing the value of how long is it going to last you, and is yeah. it going to be able to take what you put it through. Um, that's something that I think people should really start to think about when buying that first reel instead of spending a hundred dollars twice right spend two hundred dollars once two hundred fifty dollars yeah. once and and get something that you really want to work with no i really like that um to jump on that uh i think this is a good time to segue into our first topic that we wanted to really touch on today which is how do we close out 
2023 season and look to 2024. As an angler, as somebody who has hours on the water, on the surf, you know, hours on the boat as well, uh, which neither of us own a boat. Let's get that out of the way before guys start axing. Uh, but it's to come. It's to come. Hey, shout out Chris. Shout out Evan. Shout out all the boys that put on for us. Of course, of course. And, you know, all the captains out there that's helped us out and taken us out, close friends or guys that we met once or twice through charter services, you know, God bless. Keep doing your thing. Stay safe on the water. And, yeah, you know, we we aim to be in that spot soon. But touching back on that topic, as a surf caster or just as a fisherman in general, how do you aim to close out this season and look to 2024? What's some of your, not necessarily goals, we'll get into that in the next topic, but more so, how do you close out the season? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, first of all, hanging up your gear for the end of the year always is tough. It's always It always hurts. Um, and quite honestly, for many of us, we try and push what we think is the end of the season couple weeks too far every single time but you're not going to stop when there's fish biting right Right. even if you get one that extends the season another two weeks another three weeks i'm gonna keep going until i don't see anything um but as far as gear goes i think there's a there's a couple of different things right we talked about that that gear right whether it is a hundred dollar reel or it is a two hundred dollar reel or it's anything that you plan to use the next season um that stuff's what you have to look at first. Don't start looking at how do I make this better, right? Look at what you already have. Is it something that I can use next year? And is it going to do what it did for me this year? Did it properly work in the scenario that I was fishing in? And then you could start to think of, okay, maybe it didn't fit. Maybe what's what's a better option? What's something I could go with? And then start going that route. Um, but as far as the gear you already own, I think a lot of people neglect the whole storage and prep for the winter aspect of your gear. I mean, you have to absolutely do more than just spray your reels down and put them on a rack in your garage and just let them sit there. Um, but I mean, I've learned a lot from you. Um, I've learned a lot from a lot of other guys. I give a lot of credit to a lot of the people I've surrounded myself with, but, um, yeah, I think just proper measures of actual storage and breaking down your rods and making sure that you're taking your reels off your rods, right. cleaning your rod down through and through, making sure your your reel seat doesn't have corrosion, getting in touch with you know potentially rod builders or repairmen, making sure all your guides are all set up. Do all that shit now. Yeah. Get that shit out of Get the way. Make sure way everything is lined up. And then as far as your reels... I mean, there's a couple of really great products we use. Um, yeah, absolutely. We could talk about the uh, the pen reel cleaner. Yeah, we're um, a big fan of that. And it's just a, such a simple solution um, that takes 15 minutes. Yeah, and not to mention it has a lemon scent, so that's nice. I mean, you know, <laughs> not that you, you're yeah. going to be smelling your reels, but it for those of you that's poured or dumped blood on the reels, because, you know, you, you're, or even better yet, I'll give you another, I'll step one up. You, you got a van stall. And you toss it down on the sand to take a picture of your bass or whatever. And you got sand on it. And, you know, or let's say you're chunking and you drop your your rod or your reel on top of some bunker blood or whatever. And now it smells. Yeah, whatever. You got the scent on it. But more importantly, like Mark was saying, it's really important to hone in and clean these reels. The more expensive ones, just do yourself a favor. Send them out to be serviced if they really need to be. And honestly, they always should be serviced. Um... 
Because there's some reels that you just don't want to take apart. Like we touched on Van Stahl, Stella, Saltiga. You know, these are all reels that you're spending hundreds of thousands at some points, depending on the size of the reel. You know, just send it out to be serviced. Uh, if you aren't too sure about how to do that, um, you can always contact yeah, it's great the manufacturer uh, of the reel or contact the local bait, bait, uh, bait shop, bait and tackle shop. And, you know, they'll show you how to go from that. Some of them even do it themselves. They send, they send them out to be serviced in mass quantities. But, yeah, going on based on the kit that we were talking about, like you said, they got the spray from Penn, which we, we love. We yeah. use it. It's good for the rods, reels. Shit, I even put it on my boots sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And you see me do it. I've seen um, you do it many times. Yeah. Maybe too many times. Shit. But. I mean, yeah, you know, and it works. It's, Soap and water works on the boots too. Yep. Let's let's be real. But again, you get that lemon scent. So yeah. it's but nice. like it, it, even like you're saying, you know, servicing, sending them out to 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 those manufacturers, and and we absolutely do recommend that stuff. You know, again, this do your own research. This is all on you. This is solely our perspective. We're not telling anybody what to do with their gear. Um, but the fact of the matter is, at a minimum, just get yourself a good rod and reel cleaner. Um, and then, you know, if, if you can service them, there's other products. And, and if you're capable of breaking down your reel and taking the spool off, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because the learning curve is definitely there. Um, yeah. You know, how many reels have we started to take apart when we oh first didn't know what we oh were doing gosh. and losing screws and not knowing where pinion gears yeah, are and the main gear yeah. and, and doing all that. But when you when you have a reel right and i was talking about that cheaper reel you're ready to upgrade take a shot at it the the worst you could do is you know you're going to buy something new maybe you don't get this then you bring it into your tackle shop somebody could put it back together for you just keep all the pieces but yeah get in there take those take those plates off get some some grease put put grease in there make sure you're protecting your stuff make make sure that when it's being stored corrosion's not getting to it if you're living on the salt water it's not rusting, you know, a lot of this stuff's made with stainless steel or magnesium. Uh, Shimano makes a lot of their, their plates, yeah. the Hagani, I'm a, I'm a fan of, it's light. You yeah. know, certain applications, not the best product. But again, just, just take your time to really go through your stuff, break it down, and, and make sure that you're storing your, your gear properly so you're setting yourself up for the future. And you could assure the the long life of, of each of your individual setups. Yeah, I think uh, you hit every point that I was going to touch upon. Uh, I agree with you from top to bottom in the sense that it's important to grease down your reels, clean them. Um, you know, just think about it. Like, after a long day at work, whether you're outside or you work in an office or wherever, you know, you, you want to take a shower, right? So you, you've been putting all this wear and tear on your reels, on your gear, and yeah, even if you have a Van Stahl that's completely sealed or, you know, a Stella that's top of the line, or even if you have, you know, a Penrath, that's a $25, $30 retail reel, it's important to clean your reel because you never know what cast is going to be your PB or what's going to be your biggest fish. Oh, and the gosh. last thing you want, the absolute last thing, and I know it. there's a spot for everybody where it's hit them, whether you first started and it's hit you or it's caught you slacking later on in the game, where you take that cast and you realize that you lost that fish, potentially one of the biggest fish of that species that you landed or could have landed because you, A, didn't take care of your gear and you don't, you don't have your drag set right or, you know, not even set right, but you don't have it greased right, so it's, it's not working properly. Or B, 
another thing that I, my next point that I was going to get at is you don't have the light, the right, or you don't have the quality of line that you need. Right. I feel like another big thing that anglers sleep on, and I'm guilty of doing it myself. Sometimes I've seen myself change in line mid-season. Um, and you could, you know, for some line and some applications, you can get away with it. I'm not saying every time you catch a fish, you got to change your line. Um, but line maintenance is very important. In of the sense of when I think like, okay, this this season is wearing down. What do I got to do to prepare myself for that first batch of stripers that comes in March? Right. Okay, mind you, Mark and I, I caught my first fish last year, and this is not to brag, January 2nd. And he caught his January 1st. So do we really stop fishing? Probably not. I mean, I was fish. I fished every month this year. And there's a bunch of guys yeah. who do it likewise. But the point is, you still have to take care of your gear at one point or another. Right. So when you get a, a couple weeks or even a week or a couple days of a nice stretch where you know you're not going to be fishing, and you know you put 12 months of strain on, on your gear, whether it's top of the line, thousands of dollars, or whether it's a $25 Walmart rod, take care of your stuff. It, take care of your line. And I, take I, I would even wheels. go as, as far as saying, Vin, like, I agree with everything you're saying, but even the, the, the point you touched on of a stretch or maybe you don't stop even if you're not stopping fishing it's even more so important that you're making sure you're staying on top of this stuff that your line is maintained and that your reels are always greased they're always clean and everything is going to function how it's supposed to you you spoke about losing that fish right i can't even tell you how many times i I said to you in the car on the way over here like i hope that one day you know we all die if God could just show me all the fish that yeah, <laughs> I missed yeah, yeah, in my yeah. life, it's like, damn, there's so many experiences I look back on that, I, and I could I could rattle off a hundred right now right. of of opportunities where just we talk about angler's fault, you know, yeah. it's it's stuff that is solely on you that you were capable, you've learned how to fish, you've you you had the right presentation, you, know you got there, right. and now. It's on angling, and and you're you're playing your drag right, but then your drag fails, or you're 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 retrieving, you know, at a certain cadence, and now you you can't keep that consistency going with that cadence because your your knob locks up, and right. and you had a fish following you, right. or you 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 get a bite, and your rod you have a, a broken guide, and you load up on them, and now. You cut your line. I, I've even cut line on on broken ceramic when the the guide just cracks internally. You mm-hmm. might think that that's nothing, but you're fishing braided line, you're fishing mono, whatever yeah, it, it may be. If there's a sharp, sharp, it's gone. Yeah. Absolutely. So don't be that guy. Make sure you're taking care of your stuff, whether it's going away for the winter or you know you you, you just look at your stuff and you're like, it's been a while since I've done more than just rinse these things down. Take the time out. Do yourself some due diligence. Understand your understand your gear. Understand stuff. Constantly examine it. Look, I mean, we can talk about Gino. Gino's gonna end up on this show, um, but but Gino just recently he had a, a small nick in his rod. You know, you go out, you think it's gonna be a quick day, okay. and you, you you might get yeah, on a fish. Yeah. He had a crack in his rod, and eventually the rod snaps. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, luckily he didn't. He wasn't even on a fish. He lost it. Just the rod just happened to snap on a cast and. You know, it, in some ways, it's better to lose your rod like that than to lose it on a fish. Right. It's, it's, it's going to be, you know, a double whammy. You lose a nice fish, let's say, you lose your rod. On top of it, now you're kicking yourself in the ass twice. Because, yeah. 
And again, there's certain circumstances like his where he was aware of it and he was just pushing his luck. Right. But there's also times where a lot of guys are just clueless and they don't even check their gear and then they lose nice fish and they get upset and, you know, they blame, oh, I got bad luck and this and that. There's times where there's bad luck, you know, and there's times where you just got to get your shit together and, you know, look at your stuff and make sure you got the right stuff. You don't need to go to the extent of, let's say, you know, oh, uh, this rod has a scratch on it. I gotta go buy another rod. Right. And there's guys out there that do that. And shout out to them if you could afford it. God bless. But make sure your stuff works. Yeah. You know. And, and I, that's, look, that's big. Look, I I'm not gonna sit here and say every time I go out I'm fishing with the exact setup that I want to be where I am what I'm doing. There's Absolutely. times I keep a rod in my car at all times. If I see anything that I like, yeah, I stop on the highway. I'll be late to dinner or anything. But yeah. I mean, Gino, he's a hell of a fisherman. And there's a lot of guys that consider this, uh, themselves good and think that they understand their gear but it gets to a point sometimes that you think that okay I could I could you know push my luck and I could get past this little minor right. hiccup and I, I could you know do what I have to to get past that even if I do catch a fish but a lot of times it, it doesn't work out in your favor right. and it, it might go a completely different way than you thought you thought your rod was good oh it loads here so you know you, right. it shouldn't get as much pressure on that guy then that god pops. Your line gets wrapped in that god that popped, and now you have your you can't you have no slack. You you have no I'm sorry you have no drag. You know, all these little malfunctions here or there, they, they all add up, and yeah. it happens. It happens. I mean, and you know, again, there's anglers of all different sorts. You know, as we touched on with Gino, like we're talking somebody who, like I said, just wanted to take a shot, and he was aware of it, and look what happened. Luckily, yeah. he didn't lose it on the fish, but. It's happened to all of us. The best of us, the worst of us. And I can promise you now he's he's hey, in a position where he's like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to push my not, Matter of fact, the other day he's actually telling me he's looking in to buy another rod. He already replaced the reel. Uh, he sold his one of his reels. and um, What did he sell? That Vanford, right? Yeah, he sold yeah. the Vanford. And uh, now he got a Stratic. Um, a huge Stratic, but it was in great condition. And uh, yeah, now he's looking for a rod to put on it. Uh, actually, no, I lied. He... Cop the Onyx, uh, shout out to Jigging World, yeah. the uh, seven foot Onyx to replace a uh, tsunami rod that he had. And again, we're not talking about thousand dollar rods here. No. But it's also just a matter of, you know, your bass fishing, we were not to give up the spot, but we were bass fishing somewhere in the North Shore, skinny water, uh, you know, back of a canal somewhere. And you don't need, you know, a sentry rod or uh, an ODM or some crazy custom rod. You don't need Absolutely that. Absolutely not. But, again, if you hook a nice fish, no matter what rod you're using, if you know the rod is not of its standard, then, and you lose it, you're going to be kicking yourself in the so, ass. So, yeah, you, you said standard. That's, that's like the perfect word for it because, you, like, there's so many guys out there using rods that are rated to three quarters of an ounce and they're chucking a three, three right. ounce spook. And it's like... Eventually, your your rod's gonna break, and that's that's on you. It's it's not about the, and we talked about price point before, and I want to emphasize it's not just about the price point. It's it's about just making sure whatever you're using is capable of withholding whatever you're doing for that specific application. I mean, it gets to a point where it's a little crazy, right? Me and you, we have yeah. twenty five combos, so much. but at the same time, you know, you have. 25 combos that I could justify that I'm like okay if this is this scenario and this is what I'm doing then I know that I'm going to be able to hold that plug I know I'm going to be able to hold that bucktail or whatever it may be that I'm throwing um, and then 
another thing I just want to touch base on that I thought was great you brought up. Gino bought that that used Strata that you said is in great condition. For a lot of anglers, guys, there's so many people out there that think that you you could only buy a brand new reel. And I used to come from that school of thought. Of and course. there's a lot of times, so be careful what you're doing. Make sure you do your research. Make sure you actually touch the reel in person before you buy it. But there's a lot of times that buying that shiny reel from Dick Sporting Goods that and I'm not saying a lot of those are great, great, great yeah, no, options for people. But you know, getting something that might be lightly used but is in the next class in terms of price point, but it's far more capable. Yeah, and might it's something be a you can get your hands on. better option than than buying the cheaper brand new rig. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another uh, topic that I want to touch on real quick. It's a sense of like as we were going on to how we close out the season. You know, so we already talked about how you're saving your reels, how you're maintaining them, how you're doing your, your maintenance on your line and your reels and your rods and all that. But the other thing is too, like when you get to that point where you feel like, okay, I need to cut my, ne- you know, I need to I need to cut my next reel, I need to get my next combo, my next setup, whatever it is. You know, just it's important to weigh out all your options. And you're talking to a guy right now, who, I went overboard. I'm getting X Y Z, all this stuff. There's, you know, I'm not gonna go into crazy details about financials and all that because whatever. Everybody, you know, spends whatever, whatever they gotta do. spend, whatever yeah. you can do. And same with Mark, and same with you know, like Gino, as we mentioned, my cousin. You know, he's a young angler, and he's already, you know, every you dollar he bar. makes, he's telling me, yo, Evan, I'm kid can't even drive, and he's like, yeah, I'm not worried about saving up for a car. I'm trying to buy my next rod, and you know, that's great. So, but I'm saying this is a good time to really look into gear, really hone in on something that you like. You know, again, if you have a combo that you love already, then turn your ears off because don't spend the crazy money. You don't have to. You don't have to. Especially if you're buying something that's going to do exactly what your right. last one did. If, right. you're, if that one, like I said, works for what you're using it for, for that application, then don't buy that. Right. Buy something that, and, and again... Another point is, you know, we talk about Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp or some of these other platforms that are these resale markets. Now's the time of the year that people are doing, like we said, breaking down their their gear, looking at their rods, thinking about stuff up there. You saw you got stuff up there. Thinking about what do I get for next season, and they're trying to clear house. You could get some really good deals, really good opportunities to get some good finds. I mean. It translates across the whole game. Both, like you said, both of us don't own boats, but if you're going to buy a boat, a lot of people are argue Looking at the at end of the season of year, right man. now. It's it's this is when you're going to find a deal. Absolutely, so absolutely. Take advantage of those opportunities. Um, like we said, just make sure your stuff's all in order. Um, do your due diligence to make sure it is. If it's not, and and you want to try and explore something next year, just make sure you're prepared for that. Put the time in now. It's tough. I mean, for me, some people it's annoying, but for us, I mean, we're yeah, we're, we're nerds for it. Sometimes exactly. the time in the lab is just as much fun as as fishing. Yeah, and the other thing too is like like everything in life, confidence is key. So what I was trying to allude to earlier was, um, if you have a setup that you're confident in, or you're gonna purchase a setup that you're, it's gonna make you confident in when you fish, you know, go for it because. Uh, you know, I'm not advocating to spend uh, your whole savings um, at all. At all, because there's many more things in life that are way more important uh, for money. Um, you know, food, health, all that, etc. But if you have a combo that you love or that you think you'll love and you want to test it out, and it's gonna make you confident, you gotta go for it. And leading into that, 
one of the things that the next topic that I want to touch on quickly, or not even quickly, but just, you know, go over. And these aren't set in stone. Um, I didn't even tell Mark we were going to do this. But it was going to be, like yeah, you know, just something off the top of his mind, just yeah. just to rattle him up. And I what haven't even got? thought Let's about it myself. Woo! <laughs> yeah. ah. A little applause action going. Ah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, one of the things I wanted to do is uh, give me three of your goals going into 2024 okay. that you're confident in. Not stretch Sheesh. goals like you want to catch, you know, a great white. And if you do, God bless. But something that you're confident in that you think you can accomplish or get very so close to. So are you talking about like, my, my game, what I'm what I'm chasing in terms of a species or a presentation or something I want to get better at? It could be necessarily anything from I want to learn how to use a beatcaster, which I'm sure you know how, but I'm just saying in general, like I want to learn how to use a beatcaster or I want to catch a 300-pound tarpon. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like you run crazy where they just – you got a minute to think – about three goals. Okay. I mean, so yeah, I I guess there's there's a couple that I know off the top of my head. Um, I guess I'll start off with um, something locally. Uh, I would really like to get into this cobia bite that we've seen yeah. on Long Island in the last couple of years. Um, I've I've had maybe one or two opportunities that it, it potentially could have been one. Um, again, not having a boat. Not exactly the easiest access for them, but we do hear stories. I, I mean, we're tapped in um, with a couple of the bait shops around here. Uh, we'll give a quick shout out to John at Freeport Bait yeah, and Tackle. Absolutely. You know, we help out there sometimes. John's our guy. Um, but, you know, it's you, you hear about people catching these fish and, um, you know, the guys that are on the boats that are getting into them super thick. And, and the days we have, like you said, there are people that provide um, the, the opportunity for us to get out there, but it's not necessarily something that's every excursion or even close to that. Right. Um, so I would like to make the time count um, and, and really dedicate and try and not get distracted and chasing some other species when we're out there. I know, you know, it's summertime when, yeah. when we've been seeing them showing up in, in August and whatnot, there's a lot of times that we want to go fluking or, or spend some time at the reef and, and yeah. or if we're running a little further out to cholera or something like that because we hear that there's mahi on lobster pots. Like catching a, a Long Island mahi would be yeah, really, insane. really cool. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I would say just getting into some of these more exotic species, one of the, the, the cobia or a mahi or something like that up here would be really cool. Um, and then, as you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate – um, to have the opportunity a couple times a year, I go down to Florida and uh, I do some fishing down there. So one thing I'll be totally tr- transparent about is I want to get better at uh, a body, my bottom fishing game. Okay. Um, not that I don't think that I'm capable, right? But just like I want to continue to learn bass and the way I feel confident in bass now and how you know the learning curve is is a good trajectory when you start to get comfortable learning the next thing isn't as hard because you have the foundation um but the bottom fishing game up here fluking you know sea bass all that kind of stuff it's it's a totally different ball game when you're down there and you're fishing on top of rocks and structure and coral reef and you have these fish that are living in these holes and a lot of times you're fishing open bail so you're you're dropping you know, whatever four ounce four ounce sinker that you're feeling the weight of that to begin with. Right. You're dropping that down to the bottom of the reef 
uh, especially fishing in current and you're fishing in open bail, sometimes these eats could be really, really subtle. And they could be some huge fish. I mean, groupers living in these holes, mutton snappers, if they're not taking it and skimming across the bottom on the sand, if they're eating it real soft, sometimes you don't even have a chance to really process what happened and you, you totally miss the bite. So for me, I've, I've missed a lot of those fish. And I think my, my second uh, goal for the next year would be getting better at bottom fishing in Florida. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. That's a good one. So th- those are, and, and again, I, I've seen some progress in myself from, you know, the, the last few years that I've been down there from where I started to where I am now, you know, I've landed some really, really cool fish, but I've also, I've also missed bites. And what I, what I like to take into consideration, like we said, you know, going out and, and making sure you're realizing or learning something every time the miss bites has definitely dwindled and I've, I've definitely gotten better at it, but there's going to be more fish that I catch and there's always going to be more, you know, other fish that you miss. Um, so that's the nature of the game. It's part of the game. So it's about that. And then, you know, that, that'll probably lead me into my next one. Um, and I think a lot of anglers could relate to this. I've gotten a lot better over the years and this is something I'll probably remain on my list for a long time. Um, but it's not taking things personally in the fishing game when something doesn't go your way. Um, you can only control so much. You could do everything right, and sometimes it still doesn't work out. Of course. Um, so there's there's situations, and again, it just has to do with spending so much time and, and chasing these things with every part of you. You know, going to bed two, one two o'clock in the morning, waking up for work the next day at five or six o'clock, thinking about what happened the night before. You know, you do that three four days in a row, and then you finally hook up and you miss that fish. It's hard not to take that to heart. Yeah. Of course. Um, so I think it's just about also managing my own personal game and, and understanding that I am making progress and that although there are things that get in the way sometimes, not to take things personally and realize just being out in the water is a blessing. Yeah. I thank God to be out there every single time I get the chance to do that and to chase what I love to do. So just recognize the beauty in that and uh, keep moving forward and getting better as an angler. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's where I'm at. And... Uh, you know, those are some things I want to focus on in the, in the game. Um, like I said, just those three things are what I see right now. Yeah. Um, and even, like I said, the bottom fishing thing, whether it's a four-ounce weight or I'm fishing a yellowtail jig head, just, just getting a feel for that bite and understanding when there's a bite and not missing it, um, that's something I, I really want to want to hone in on. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess those are, those are my three things that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you the same thing. I don't know if you're ready to answer yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, but the last one, like I was saying, you know, it's something that should be on everybody's uh, mind um, to get better on is literally just to learn uh, with failure. And that's with everything in life. You know, um, sometimes you don't succeed. No matter how hard you try, it wasn't your day. It wasn't your fish to be caught. X, Y, Z. And, um, you know, that's something that everybody has to, to get on. But... That's, I'm not going to steal that goal from you, even though I really like it. Um, but to give you three of my own, I'd say one right off the bat. It's been on my mind for a couple seasons now. And shout out to my surf casters who've done it. Um, it's always been to land, successfully land a 50-pound bass or greater um, on the surf. Not on a boat. I mean, I haven't done it on a boat, but that'd be awesome too. I'm not going to say no. 
to the fish gods out there. But if I could do it on the surf, uh, that'd be a gigantic uh, bucket list um, thing fish to cross off. So that's definitely something on my list. I have been aiming to break my PB bass, um, which is nowhere near 50 pounds. But to get into that range of a 50-pound bass would be spectacular. Uh, and to successfully land one is something that's amazing. And again, I said these are goals that I'm confident in. This is not something that I'm guaranteeing, but I feel as the seasons progress, I'm edging closer and closer um, to getting bigger and bigger fish. And again, a little bit of luck, a little bit, of, uh, a lot of bit of skill. Yeah, I don't know, 50-50, whatever. I guess you gotta be at the right place at the right time. Like everything in life, sometimes you just gotta hope that it all works out. So I'm praying the next season, I'm fortunate enough to get my hands on a 40, 50 pound bass. 50 would be unbelievable, even greater. Uh, if it's bigger, even greater. I'm not gonna complain, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a bucket list item for all yeah, of us. Yeah, uh, um, it's just Long Island guys. Yeah, it's, that's I mean, just a, you say gigantic, but I think you know even for me, the, there's a lot of species I want to catch and. It might say it sound crazy, but the fifty pound bass from the surf is probably top it's three. It's insane. I mean, me. I'm talking. You know, you're standing on a rock. You're standing on the beach. You're standing somewhere where you're probably not supposed to be, or you're worried about your surroundings, and you're taking a cast, and you're like, "Damn, I don't know if this is gonna be the one." And boom, you just it comes up, and it just smacks that plug, that soft plastic, that whatever, out of the water. Um, it'd be for sure a fish of a lifetime, and if I could get my hands on one or even something close to it this year, I'd be really, really grateful. Uh, so that's one that I want to cross off the list, and hopefully it happens in 2024. Uh, another goal, and again, this is something that I'm sure a lot of guys have accomplished, but I would like to do it in Long Island, um, is to catch an albie from the land um, on a boat. You know, it's a little bit more feasible. I'm not saying it's an easy fish to catch. They're, they're difficult. They're speed demons. But on land, I've targeted them a few times, and I haven't been fortunate enough to get one. Uh, again, I haven't tried as much as I should have, but um, just I was I went out east one day, and uh, I was defeated. But that defeat is what fueled me to keep going, honestly, because there was a few shots that I went out with my little brother, and shout out to him, he's 13, and kids, he trooped it out in the rain, in you know, shitty Albie conditions, we were out there. And uh, we had a few shots at him, and it just didn't work out. But that's something that I really have on my list. And again, that's a fall fish typically in Long Island. So we're looking at another year before I have this window of opportunity. But it's a f something that I'm willing to wait to really capture and get on. And if it could happen, I'd be forever grateful. Um, and I really just feel like I'm at a point where I've dedicated a lot of research and time into Albi fishing. So it's more of just going out there and actually doing it more often. Um, and it's more of a matter of hopefully not when, uh, not how, but when, uh, when it happens, you know, just keep at it. I hope I got one. And the last goal, I would say this is more of a, a holistic goal in of itself. Um, not necessarily a species based goal. Uh, I would love to continue to explore Long Island. Uh, I take a lot of pride in being a Long Island person, being somebody who lives on Long Island, um, not to sound like one of those people who's like, yeah, yeah, Long Island, but it's truly a spectacular place. Um, and, you know, whether you lived here your whole life or you moved here or you recently just moved here or whatever the case is, it's one of those things where if you fish on Long Island, you know, yeah, it might not be the greatest fishing in the world, but you get the North Shore, you get the South Shore, 
and you you just get a touch of a little bit of everything, honestly. And re- even recently in the past couple of seasons, and I mean I know you can attest to this, like like you were saying, the exotic species that come our way, it's just insane. So the more of an opportunity I get to explore both the north and so- south shore, I mean. You know, me and me and Mark, we we traveled from coast to coast. As we've been fishing, in, we fished Montauk. The next day, we're out fishing in in Queens or Brooklyn. Like that's just the type of anglers we are. There's no range. Like if I could drive to Europe, I'd drive to Europe if there was a a bite going on. That's just the type of people we are. You know, um, and it's just a matter of continuing to explore that, learning more spots. I mean, I really was able to touch more on that goal. Uh, late of this season you know i'm the type of guy if it's not broken uh, don't fix it type of mentality and it's a great mentality to have but it's it's also sometimes limiting in the sense that you go to a spot and you always get yourself one two bass three bass four maybe five it's a good night you get double digit bass that are you know slot size or greater but then it's like it gets to a point where it's like all right well what if i try this spot and then you go to that spot and you you get the same result if not better and then, you know, in the fall, we kind of started touching on that. And we started hitting these spots that we were literally just Google Map fishing at a certain point. We were like, yo, this cove looks really, really nice. And, um, you know, when we were fishing it, we were getting results. So that's something that I really want to touch on. It's, uh, you know, exploring more. And I know Mark is always down for an adventure. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, those are my three goals in a nutshell. Um, hopefully, they I, I get to them all. I mean... Two of them are at a point where it's like, I really got to put in the time and effort. You know, the first two are species-based, and that's at God's will. And then the last one is, you know, the exploring. That That's on me, honestly, because it's one of those goals where it's feasible, but you, you got to make it happen. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's a really good one, Vin, because I think a lot of us get really comfortable with what we know. Yeah. And that's not to say that those spots that are reliable and those those spots that you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, I'm not advocating to ever not fish those right, spots. Right, absolutely. Yeah. But it's 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 about, you know, maybe that spot you know works really well during a certain time of the year on an incoming tide right. with a certain wind direction. Um, and you know what depth you're fishing. You've you've thrown different different baits there. You, you, you've kind of figured out the lay of the land. Um, and those spots forever are always going to be in your arsenal. But in order to take the next step and sometimes not just repeat what you do season to season, it's about doing something that you haven't explored, but you end up finding gold. And uh, all that's going to allow you to get there is putting in that time and uh, allowing yourself to to really step into those opportunities. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I, I, you know, spot on. Like always, uh, we're always on the same page. Always. That's something you guys will learn as, as the show progresses and as the episodes continue. It's, uh, you know, our mindset is very driven um, to a similar mindset. Hey, that's why we're fishing buddies and just buddies in real life, too. We don't only fish together and do other shit. But, you know, you'll learn that as time comes. Uh, so, yeah, just, just to get more of an insight about us. I mean, the, we're coming to a close here. It's called the Fishing Hour. So we're aiming to do our episodes. I mean, if we go a little less, a little more. Uh, you know, bear with us, but you're not perfect. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, just to close things out, uh, one last thing to really give you guys an insight on the type of anglers we are and the type of species and, and fish that we like to target. Uh, I'm going to pose uh, another question and we'll, we'll end off with this and, you know, then next next episode, next week, we'll pick up, uh, you know, in, this, in a similar direction and we'll take things in a similar way, you know, different questions, different topics, and we'll keep doing this on a week-to-week basis. 
And uh, yeah, we're going to run with this and see where it goes. So to close off the show, really quick, um, you know, and this again, does not set in stone. Top three uh, fishing moments on Long Island, um, land or boat, don't matter. Just that run through your head. It, it's obviously always subject to change in 2023. Yeah, um, 2023. All right, that that makes things. Yeah, a little so bit we kind of closed the gap a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because right, I I could tell you about. Yeah, I'm it's not even necessarily just the size of certain fish. Of sometimes it's, it's just always the moment it's, and it's how the you got way it, it happens right, right. Um, that you always cherish those things. But if if we're, we're talking about 2023, um, I guess the first one um, probably just comes to a whole outing. I would say the. Actually, I'll talk about two of them. The first one I'll say is right before I went to Florida at the end of October, uh, myself, you, and Chris went out on Chris's boat, and uh, we had a field day. Um, stripers right off the Pink oh, Hotel dude. in Long Beach. And I know, I, I, again, we don't try to spot burn here, but the Pink Hotel is I mean, no secret. That, that's a known gem, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, we got into a school of fish that we saw probably – over slots for about two hours, um, fish ranging from, you know, that 36 inch mark all the way to 43, 44 inches. Yeah. Um, a couple of them, we were able to tag and, and sent out some tags to gray fish tag research, Yeah, that was awesome. which honestly. is an incredible, um, mission. What those guys are doing over there. Shout out to gray. Um, so yeah, that, that was a really special one for me. Um, and then also, I would say probably what we just finished up with uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We got into a, a really, really hot bite on uh, the North Shore. Um, I mean, you know, there's fishing stories. People say numbers. I'm not trying to exaggerate anything. But there is peanut bunker everywhere, as you know. And, yeah. I, I mean, just to tell, tell the guys listening... Um, you know, it was one of those bites that you had stripers swimming through your feet. There was peanut bunker just beaching themselves to try and, you know, they just didn't know any better, thinking that that was their only chance of survival, which they yeah, actually which in turn <laughs> realized yeah. that the, it was probably their worst, worst, worst chance, option. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for two hours straight, it was almost every cast, every cast. And then probably for four or six hours, every second or third cast. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that fish, we probably were close to, I, I don't even want to throw numbers out there, but I think 100 would be... Yeah, combined, yeah. I mean, and the, if we include the guy next to us. Yeah, it was, it's, I, it, it was just one of those bites. Yeah. So, like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen too often. We were fishing in a pocket that when the tide turned and they were just, just hung up in there, they really had no way out but, yeah. but past our plug. So that that was probably a really special one for me. Um and then I would say the third one of the year, um, I'd probably have to give credit to the Raritan Bay. Okay. Um, eh, it's tough because I'm, I'm three stripers. The Raritan Bay, I'm going to go four. I'm breaking the rules. Okay. Raritan, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time out there. It's the f- really not the first time, but the first time I, I really dedicated a whole lot of time. Yeah. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights going out to Raritan Bay, getting onto a really good bite out there with the spring spawn. Um, just an cre- incredible opportunity out there with with yeah. all the rivers and all the stuff that runs into there. off the surf, too. Off the surf. It's just, you know, from the beach to have 10 or 15 fish nights, it's just all you could really ask for. Insane. So, um, and then lastly, I'd probably say... 
Um, and this was a special one for me, but in June, I caught um, my PB tarpon. Oof. And that was really special. I mean, stripers forever, forever a big place in my heart and the focal point of why I do this. I right. love those fish. Of course. But um, tarpon are fascinating fish. There's a reason that they are highly sought after and the best anglers in the world chase them on spinning gear and fly gear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, landing my PV tarpon in, in June – was uh was pretty damn special no those those four are truly incredible and ea you really can't exclude any of those because they've all been lights out and three out of the four i'm grateful that i was there with you uh able to experience that same i mean uh, but and you know it's it's awesome that but again like just to to have those moments with the people around you for me i love sharing those with people and i'm grateful you were there i'm grateful for my buddies that were there for um you know my tarpon but uh you know for a lot of people it's it's really about what's special to you whether it's shared with somebody or not so i you know those are mine i i I probably again just extend this question to you and uh just kind of see what what meant the most to you this year yeah i mean uh i'm gonna go in a little bit of a different direction uh not to say that i don't love striped bass i don't want the people listening to think that like oh this guy is what kind of surf angler doesn't target bass i mean listen i'm i i'm just like the next guy when it comes to bass i love them i can't get enough of them but uh you know for the sake of uh stories and experiences and I could overlap with a lot of Mark's moments. Uh, like I said, three out of the four, I was there besides the tarpon. Um, and they were all incredible. Nights, days, moments to remember. But for the sake of the podcast and experiences, I'm going to take another route. Um, my first one goes back to April. Uh, we were on Chris's boat uh, fishing in an area that we normally fish. I'm not going to give it up because he'll kill me. Um, <laughs> he will kill you. He will kill me. Uh, but uh, shout out to Chris. He's unbelievable captain unbelievable friend the duke um, the duke himself the queen. yeah kid does it all from tuna to blackfish hey. listen i will talk him up another episode but uh one of the moments comes yo chris moment. stripers are better than blackfish <laughs> yeah and chris if you're listening i know you're not gonna like that part but <laughs> but again we'll have him on the show and we'll talk about that when the time comes uh with him but yeah so one of the moments goes back to his boat we're fishing and it, it was just a day to remember for me. Um, spring blackfish was was easily my best day on the water. Limited out. Uh, Chris limited out as well, or almost did. And, um, you know, it got to the point where the fishing was so good that I literally dropped my phone in the water. Um, and I didn't pick my head up to see if it fell in the water because I was concerned on the hog of a tog that I was on. And I'm talking like, you know, again, we're fishing in the back bay, so it's not, you know, we're not talking 10-pound togs here, but nice five, six-pound fish, and I'm fighting them on light spinning tackle, and it was just incredible. One fish after another, just monster fish, uh, really nice fish, you know, multiple keepers, multiple close-to-being-keeper fish, incredible bite. Every crab that went down there was getting munched, destroyed, everything. And it was in the spring, it was it was sick. I, again, I lost my phone. Didn't even flinch, got the fish in the boat, and then almost panicked, but then realized, you know what, fuck it. I'm having fun, I'll get another phone, you know, and listen, I was upset, but at the end of the day, it was a great day, day to remember, and you know, if that's the price I had to pay, uh, every once in a while, I think it's worth that fee um, of losing a phone, it is what it is. 
the second the second day to remember, I would say, this one is tough because there's so many bash moments out there that were just yeah, I, I almost lights like, out. Um, yeah, I, I focus again, guys. You'll realize that. Like I said, stripe bass mean yeah. the world to me, and I, three of my experiences were all stripers. But it's just we've had so many good, yeah, ones so many year. good ones. Uh, so this one is actually going to be focused on a striper one. It was back on in March, March twenty seventh, my first bass of the year, fishing in one of my favorite spots ever. Um, just throwing shout out to Joe Beggs, throwing a purple, a blurple swatter, um, in the freezing cold. Uh, it got to the point where my fingers were starting to get numb. I uh, was out there with Mark, Gino, Chris, and again, four guys toughing it out, and you just throw a plug out there and twitching it back nice and slow, you know, cold water, slow retrieve, and then boom, just on uh, a bass, and I'm like, holy shit, there's fish here, the spring run has started, it was like shocking somebody with the AEDs after a heart attack, my whole fucking, I was completely rejuvenated, um, Forget about the numb fingers. They were piping hot as I was peeling on the, you know, the drag was peeling and I'm, I'm cranking, I'm cranking, I'm cranking. Finally landing beautiful 36-inch bass to start the season. It was incredible, honestly. It was my first real, I guess you could say, saltwater fish of the season. Um, first bass of the season, actually, in general. And it was lights out, incredible. So yeah, that, that's that's up was, there for me. I didn't catch that night. I was sad, but I was pumped for you. Yeah, but still, it's still, <laughs> no, no, I know. But I'm saying it's still lights out night, yeah. really great night. Um, and again, in March, like, come yeah. on, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was it brutally was, cold, but was that cold. was that we was a really cool fish, and you know, yeah. putting that time in is the the reward is yeah, always no, incredible. Absolutely, and. Uh, the last one is also difficult because, again, there's so many moments that we had in 2023 that we touched upon that were just genuinely insane, crazy day, uh, crazy fishing in general. But uh, it would probably go back to, I want to say bass, maybe bass. Yeah, you know what? We'll go in the direction of bass again. I, listen, not everybody's fans of bluefish, but I love catching them. Uh, eating them is a different story. I'm not a big fish eater myself, but definitely won't touch a bluefish. Uh, but we've had some nights where we dabbled on multiple, multiple 10 or plus pound, 10 or more plus pound blues. Um, I'm talking bunker chunks that were getting whacked the second they touched the water. Um, so that's an honorable mention. But the third one will be uh, the start of the fall run this year. Really, we hit the ground running. Uh, I took out Gino and Sebastian. It was a school night, so we were pressed for time. Otherwise, my mom was going to kill me for having my little brother out late. Shout out all the Italian moms out there. You yeah, guys are the best. for real. And they put up with a lot of shit, uh, especially me taking out younger cousin, younger siblings. Um, you know, but it's moments like this that these kids will never forget. And shit, I never forget them either, you know. Um, so, yeah, this has got to be my third one. It, we, it was the start of the fall run. Um, we hit Jones. Um, you know, and again, I'm not spot burning here. Everybody fucking knows that there's bass in Jones Beach. Uh, when you go and get them, hey, you got to figure that out yourself. But it was sometime in October. Uh, you know, and we were getting bass before that, but we really honed in this night. And uh, again, Joe Beggs. Shout out to Joe Beggs. Uh, great guy. Uh, really good products. Um, I was throwing his uh, one-ounce sand eel and just crawling it back on. And then bang, bass. And... I land them, take a picture, everybody's all smiling, it's the dead of night, 
release them. Boom. Take another cup of gas. Boom. Bass. I'm like, holy shit. Pass the rod to my little brother because I need him to experience this because uh, I'm already a bundle of joy. I, ca- I caught one. I'm ready to fucking start doing <laughs> jumping jacks. And uh, he's on it and he's going nuts. And then, uh, sure enough, another cast, uh, a couple, maybe another 10 casts even. Boom. Bass. And I'm like, holy shit. And mind you, these are not, you know, smaller fish, all oversized fish, just completely choking these lures. Like, it's not even like they were hungry. They wanted to destroy them. So, yeah, those are my top three. Um, yes. And again, we could sit here and talk for hours about yeah, all, mean, the, all just, the moments, everything that we've encountered. Just in that, just in you talking alone, I probably taught, thought about another that's what I'm saying. Four or five experiences that yeah. I'd love to share. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we'll do is, matter of fact, we'll open up the next episode. Yeah, I like that. Some some more of these because I, I actually, I mean, again, the stripers are really what I focused on there because they mean the world to me. But, I, I mean, some, some of these Florida stories, I got into that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, definitely. Dude, I... The, this last trip I had in November, I've witnessed some of the craziest action yeah. I've ever seen in my life. And talk about the tax man and dealing with sharks and how to get around them when you're fishing in the backcountry or 25 miles into the Gulf. We'll save that for next week. No, no, absolutely. And we have so much more to talk upon. Um, just different topics we want to touch, different thoughts, different ideas we want to express. Um, and again, you know, this is the Fishing Hour podcast. Uh, just a couple of guys bullshitting, talking fishing for an hour or more, as, as we saw today. Um, but, you know, it, it just goes to show how fluent it comes to us. We're talking to you guys like like I'm talking to Mark on the way to a spot while he's driving or I'm driving. Or I'm talking to one of my buddies on the phone after a crazy night out that, you know, they couldn't make. Or if they had a night out and I couldn't make it. Uh, so, yeah, the goal of this podcast is to continue to deliver these stories um, experiences to continue to bounce ideas off each other and you know hopefully in the future if you guys want to hone in and tune in uh you know we're open to thoughts um, and any any ideas that come our way there is no closed doors here everything is open and if you come to us with an idea a thought anything about fishing we're all ears or even if you want to hop on with us yeah you know, that too you if, know if if you feel like you can contribute something to this we're, we're welcome to having yeah all kinds of people from from different walks of life and different applications to come on and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah absolutely and uh with that being said if you want to contact us uh we run a couple of social media platforms uh we will have a platform for this podcast that's going to be you know a startup it's again the fishing hour podcast but more information on that soon to come but you can really really hone in and contact us at uh jaws tackle on instagram li fish guy um look out for posts to be coming on instagram posts that we're looking to start a tiktok uh tiktok soon tic tacs uh, yeah could use some of those right now <laughs> but yeah i mean uh before we go is there anything uh you know quickly that you want to plug no, uh, before I, the pod ends i'm actually i gotta get off this because i think i'm too excited to talk about these next couple yeah stories. shit i was about um, to say we could film another one right after but but uh but we'll yeah, save that not, for next week <laughs> yeah we'll save that for next week and uh again guys thank you for uh hanging out with us thanks for being real listening to me and Vin talk like Vin said none of this is scripted uh we're gonna try and not cut this as much as we can Uh, a lot of these podcasts out there i know it's awesome you gotta edit and 
but we just want this to be raw. conversation and raw and just be the the conversations that we we typically have like Vince said in the car and just translate it to you guys and and create something you could relate that's not as you know fundamentally sound you know a little more organic and coming from two yeah. guys that just love this game as much as you do so with that being said i just want to say thank you guys for hanging out with us uh mark and vin and we're signing out yeah we're signing out boys we'll see you next week <laughs>